and welcome to the second episode of HBO Max. I'm your co-host, McKenna, joined by the man of many names himself, Jose Ruckus. What's going Brandon. on? Hello. How are you today? Um, very tired. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I don't that. know why. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, it just happens these days a lot. Yeah. <laughs> also, we are joined by Hoodie. How are you today, Hoodie? Good am I. Yes. That goes right into what we watched this week. We watched Tenet, Christopher Nolan, 2020 movie. What was what happened? That's that's my first question. <laughs> I watched happened? it. I still have many questions. What was Tenet? Um <laughs> it's a spy movie mm-hmm. that um which which they the plot device is that they can reverse the flow of time on particular objects or people and they use that for spy purposes. I yes. <laughs> Tenet. Tenet. <laughs> Tenet. Now, Hoodie, what were your thoughts on Tenet? So I saw this movie when it was on a uh, video on demand. <laughs> and let me tell you, there were too many thoughts and no thoughts at all at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's a very long movie. It's a very Christopher Nolan doing Christopher Nolan doing Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, and I'm not entirely certain if it's a good or bad movie. It's a well-made movie. Very well-made. Uh, but not, not not entirely certain where it falls on my list of movies Christopher Nolan has made. What, what is... Now, this is my first Christopher Nolan film. What? what? Wow. <laughs> right in the deep end. Yeah, this is a... So what makes a Christopher Nolan movie a Christopher Nolan movie? Um, usually his movies revolve around like a singular plot device and mm. sort of uh, going through all the rules of that plot device, be it Memento, where it is based around somebody who um, has a was it short-term memory loss. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if it's short-term or long-term. But yeah, he can't remember anything after like a couple minutes. And so you, every, everything is shot in these tiny little scenes where you're experiencing that kind of through him. Or it's, um, you know, Inception, where it's all based around going into dreams and the whole movie's around that. And he likes to play with the rules. He usually likes to manipulate time in some way. Um, and it's, it's um, usually an action-ish movie with almost zero computer-generated effects. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a I've, fan. Yeah. yeah. I think I've, some of his biggest accomplishments are the fact that he can take sci-fi and ground it so close to reality that you could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to dive more into the Nolan universe maybe one day. This was an interesting jumping off point, I feel. Um, I think there's one or two other of his like really good movies on hbo max um the other one the one that we definitely know we just looked it up is insomnia that is probably his worst movie it's the only one that he didn't write it's like it was just a 100 he like a job he did for the studio like it's not a it's not really a christopher nolan movie mm-hmm. so yeah 
I would like to. I think the Prestige is on there. Presti- the Prestige is probably my favorite. It's really great. It's amazing. Yeah. What, Brandon? What did you think of? Okay, Tenet? so th- today was the second time that I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I did not watch it on HBO Max. I have my uh, 4K ultra high def. This movie looks so good in ultra high def, guys. It is stunning. Like the the IMAX shots, they're mm-hmm. mm, perfect. Um, I remember watching it the first time last year, pretty much the day the movie came out on Blu-ray and thinking that I enjoyed myself, but I wasn't sure what I thought of the movie and that I probably need to watch it again. And then I just didn't. And, um, today when I watched it, I liked it a lot. Um, there was... I would say probably just like I had like one small problem with it. I think it drags a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think it's very good. Um, I almost watched it twice today. Oh my god! Yeah, I almost I, I finished the movie and I, I I thought about switching discs and watching it with the commentary on, but I decided oh. I probably should do something else today than just watch <laughs> the same movie all day. There was. Uh, when I was looking up for more explanation of the movie, it was like, you gotta watch it twice to really understand it, but I did not have time to watch it twice, yeah. so... No, it was it was definitely... It definitely helps to watch it again. This is a mm-hmm. movie that was definitely made with the idea that it intentionally withholds information from you mm-hmm. because the, it is also doing that to the characters. And you, a lot of movies will put you in a situation, like especially like a lot of spy or espionage movies where you will have more knowledge than the characters or the characters are put in situations where it's very easy to figure out what's going on and then you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. There is that midway point in this movie where everything starts flipping and you're finally, you and the characters at the same time are finally catching up to what's actually happening. So... Mm when you're watching it the second time you aren't focused so much on trying to absorb the plot details which actually aren't all that important to the movie and you get to sort of just sit back and enjoy it mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting interesting now do we have any fun trivia about this um, movie so this is I mean, most of the trivia for this one's in all the little Easter eggs, which mm-hmm. are just sort of there. Like, for instance, the the title of the film comes from um, the Seder Stone, which is this weird little puzzle thing that to where it's a series of words like Seder, uh, Aleppo, Tenet, and then one other word that I can't remember what it is. But then the way that they're lined out, it reads across in like a grid where they and tenants in the center so it's the the palindrome so mm-hmm. that's sort of there's it's just sort of this weird thing where like he had inspirations that were kind of piling up for a couple years and just taking notes and then putting this movie together um you know it's it's the normal like if you were talking about like uh kind of like easter eggs or, or trivia and stuff it's all just the kind of general stuff that you get with most christopher nolan movies where it's like hey they shot this for real like they actually drove cars backwards on the freeway and what? like they shut down the freeway for like three weeks and just did this scene yeah so every every time that there is an inverted scene in this movie it was shot at least twice 
once with everybody performing the scene normally and then once with everybody performing the scene backwards oh oh my gosh yeah so like um the characters like when they're doing the things where they're talking backwards that's not them playing it in a loop like mm-hmm. because that actually sounds super weird when you do that like um yeah. Um, like famously, if you go watch the first episode of Twin Peaks, there's that really weird scene at the end where all the audio plays backwards and it, it sounds super unnatural. Whereas having the characters actually say the words out loud backwards sounds way more normal. and doesn't sound like you don't have those recording problems of trying to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think when we saw the hardest part of it was Kenneth Branagh because he is not a Russian and he's playing a Russian in this movie. So not only did he have to practice his Russian accent, but he then had to like deconstruct it to do the accent backwards, which oh like you, cause like if you're doing an accent in a movie, you can just go see a dialogue coach and they will teach you how to do the di- like uh, the dialect you have to, if you're going to do it backwards, there's not somebody who specializes in helping you do that. So that was like a really complicated thing that he had to practice on his own. Jeez. Huh? Yeah. Well, good good on him <laughs> but, like, yeah that's, I, like that's insane i definitely think all this all the stuff that they do in the movie is like a huge like filmmaking achievement to make mm-hmm. it look as good as it does and like mm-hmm. really believable that this thing is happening mm-hmm. well they did win the academy awards they won best visual effects yes that's well deserved well they deserved. were also nominated for best production design but they lost to Mank? 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 Yeah, Mank. Which is the, what? um... Oh, who's, who's movie? Citizen Kane. Yeah, David Fincher. Yeah, David Fincher, his movie about, um, the, like, the make, like, the guy who wrote, helped write... Mankowitz. Uh, yeah. Oh! Huh. Um, I've heard it's really good. I, I didn't take a chance to watch it last year. I really should have. No, be honest, I'm halfway through it. <laughs> I think I, I honestly think like I think I only watched like two or three movies last year. Like it was just like I just wasn't interested in watching movies last year except for Tenet because obviously I'm gonna watch a Christopher Nolan movie. Except for I didn't watch Dunkirk. I don't know why I don't go see Dunkirk. <laughs> it's just because it was it's like that's his only like normal movie. So I just oh, like <laughs> have you seen Dunkirk? I I know that it's shot in like inconsistently and it happens, okay. but like it's not like like it's just a thing that happened. Like it's just an like it's just yeah. a historical thing that actually happened. It's not like right. a crazy sci-fi or a Batman movie, right? Um, but then I think yeah, I think like the only movies I can really remember watching from last year were like this and um, Palm Springs. <sighs> Palm Springs, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten, great movie. Ten out of ten. Um, hoodie, what? were your favorite parts of Tenet that you can okay I know you watched like you told me before you watched like a 30 minute explanation of Tenet yes did anything like what I don't like hmm how do I phrase this wow what were your favorite parts of Tenet I think what Jose is saying where you have to watch it a second time in order to have that fight club effect in some way where you go, oh, well, now I see what's going on here, so I feel more a part of the mission in total. But I think I don't need to rewatch this movie. Having just watched a 30-minute breakdown of it, I remember it as much as I did when I was watching it and afterwards, and it was the same effect of, no, 
this just doesn't hit for me. Uh, I guess the parts that I take away from it that I liked the most were the she jumps off the boat and you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, that's that's somebody else. But no, guess what? It's not. And the reveals are some of the best parts. I think what uh, Robert Pattinson does here is what he's consistently doing, which is proving he's one of the greatest actors we have of our generation. Uh, I, I like every scene with him in it. I think he makes this movie better. I think this movie is devoid of humor, but the humor it does have hits most of the time. Um, I did really like the uh, they scale the building up into the, the there, there's a reveal that a character is not the boss that they're thinking it is, and then it's revealed that she is she is the boss of this organization, and I thought that whole sequence was probably my favorite of the movie. Outside of like the fight choreography, which I think is exceptionally done for what they're given. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of mental gymnastics somebody had to do to choreograph fighting backwards. <laughs> so Yeah. Insane. Um yeah. I enjoyed the movie a lot. Um so I mean it hurt my brain real bad but i did read articles and stuff like explaining it's like oh yeah that okay i i brain hurts a little less now um but no i i really enjoyed it i also loved the soundtrack i thought the soundtrack was oh. absolutely incredible um big big music person and uh i don't know i just thought i, I just thought it was a really good movie um so some stats fast facts if you will uh, released in the UK on August 26, 2020, released in the US September 3rd, and then for streaming in Blu-ray and DVD December 15, 2020, and it came to our beloved HBO Max on May 2nd, 2021. Um, distributed by Warner Brothers, ran uh, running time of 2 hours and 30 minutes, had a budget of $200 million, um, open opening weekend made $9.4 million, um, and it had a box office total of $363.7 million. So they... Did they make their money? Well, I, I guess technically they made their money back, but isn't it like you have to like double that or whatever? Yeah, you want to double your budget to cover the marketing expenses. That's this right. is a uh, bit, and like I would say even you would have to make even more money in this case um, mm -hmm. because of the whole COVID-19 situation. This movie would have easily you know, mm -hmm. been another huge oh, yeah. success in the line of mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan making every movie that makes a whole bunch of money, even though it, like, not what you typically think of a movie that, like, crushes at the box office. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, they had to market this because they had to, like, reset the marketing program and stuff a couple times, so they ended up spending more marketing money than they would have wanted to. Um, there's also, especially now that it's on HBO Max, um, some of the, what, the, like, the subscriptions that they get for this month, they will consider, you know, that's not, like, they won't count that towards the box office, but they will consider yeah. that part of it. But also, these are the, um, these are the types of movies that um, studios are okay with losing money on, mm -hmm. um, even though Christopher Nolan typically doesn't. Um, you know, if you're going to make a comic book movie, you got to make your budget back. You got to, that's got to be a profitable. If you're making an Oscar winning film, that's a good enough thing for the studio to be like, yeah, we didn't make our budget back, but we got an Oscar. And that means that, you know, 
that's big for them. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's sort of getting, um, getting profit in a different way. So with the, the Oscar, okay. They, they won the Oscar. Yeah. They would have had to win it Mm -hmm. this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that caught up. Well, yeah, because it came out last August. Um, Going off the Oscar thing, I think what Christopher Nolan has continuously managed to do by convincing everybody his movies are indie films without being an indie film is incredible. I I think his level of showmanship when presenting a movie to people really, really is something to take note of because most of his movies would not be, if this had a Marvel banner in front of it, this would never see the light of day at the Oscars the way it does. And most of his films do, including, except, well, not him as a director so far, which is just unbelievably insane to me. Uh, but like that to me is an achievement in and of itself that he continuously does, even with this, watching it, where I'm like, I don't feel like this is a big budget movie, even though it very much is. It feels still very homegrown. He's doing what he's always done as a filmmaker, and I, I think that needs to be applauded in some way where he hasn't lost that yet. Yeah, um, it is very much the... Um... I mean, like, he uses his budget in a much different way than most filmmakers would go to make these movies. Um, you know, um, there's, there's, um, I don't think we'll be able to do Interstellar, so I'll just tell this story now because <laughs> it's probably not going to be an Interstellar episode. But um, there was a situation in, because Interstellar, it's it's set, like, a good portion is set on these massive cornfields, right, where everybody has to be yeah. growing corn because it's the only thing yeah. that's left in, like, for food. And so what they figured out was instead of just like renting these cornfields and stuff, because at the end of the movie, they had to burn a lot of it for certain shots. And um, they figured out that it was actually cheaper for them to just rent land and plant corn and then sell whatever corn they had left over and make money back. So they actually made it like a profit on that amount of production design and stuff. Like he's very savvy in terms of how he like gets things done. Like, in this movie, the biggest uh, sequence in it, and like the one that was like uh, highly publicized and stuff, was cra- uh, the the plane crash, mm-hmm. which originally they were going to shoot with models, um, but they actually found out that in order to rig all the model setups and all that kind of stuff, it would actually end up being cheaper for them to just buy a plane and crash it. So that's what they did. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! Like he he's very savvy in how he uses his budget, and then. I mean, the, the real difference when you're looking at these about like, like what he was talking about, like the Marvel movie versus this is that it's, um, it's all in camera effects that he's, um, they look like a serious indie movie or whatever, yeah. because they are shot the same way. It's, they're not gonna, you know, you'll get a little, maybe a little touch ups, explosions here and there to make it look you know, exactly the way he wants to because, you know, he's not Michael Bay and he's not going to set bombs off next to people. He's not an insane person. But, right. um, you know, it it's that dedication to the old style of filmmaking where if you want a, if you want to make something happen, you have to actually figure out how to do that. I'm actually really, I just looked, I'm surprised he wasn't even nominated for Best Director for this film, which just yeah. for the complications of loan of like setting up the actual directing of this film to be like, because um, while they're driving down the street and they're having, they have to have stunt coordinators going forward while stunt coordinators are also people driving backwards. 
And then um, they went through the details of like having to like build out sort of models and organizing the scenes because they can't have the logic fall apart during the, um, you know, an action sequence about when something happens compared to what, because you're going to do it one way and then it's going to come back the other way. So the timeline of events has to be actually synchronized up correctly. Otherwise it's not going to make sense. So just from like a, I mean, there's a directing level. This, I mean, this feels like at least an Oscar nomination. <laughs> to my recollection, he has none for any of his films so far. Not even a nomination? I don't believe so. I think he he was nominated for best uh, picture as a producer, but not he is he has not been nominated as a director. To my that's mind. that's insane. Yeah, that's I mean, what I was talking about. Yeah, what yeah. he has done is, I think one of the last visionaries we will have i have not seen a director be able to figure out something the way he has every single film even if i didn't enjoy tenet on the same level as i've enjoyed his other films there is no denying what he's doing here is probably as close to brown groundbreaking as we're going to get for quite some time yeah um I, I 100% agree with that. He is, um, I mean, there's there's several like art tour directors and stuff going on these days that you think of in that regard, but he he's the only one who's doing like straight up action movies mm-hmm. or like big bombast. Like, um, you know, there's, there's talk about Quentin Tarantino now going to do a Star Trek movie and we'll see if that happens. But like, yeah. this guy just went and did three Batman movies. <laughs> like, that's, that's nuts. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he comes, he wants, he wants to do, like, his movies are really out there in terms of, like, what he wants to do with them. Um, And I really, really appreciate that. Um, I think, I think my favorite thing about this movie, watching it the second time, was how much it was, um, it felt like a really, really good James Bond movie. Um, yeah. But, like, if you made just the craziest James Bond movie you can. And right. I think I think one of the problems, because a, a lot of people really didn't like this movie, it's going to end up being one of the lower ranked when you look at lists and stuff, Christopher Nolan movie, because it is, people find it overly complicated and that there's not, it's, and I, I think people dwell too much on trying to figure out what's going on in this movie, because really, it's not that important. It is there is a bomb and a spy has to stop a guy from blowing up the world, which is like the plot of every James Bond movie. (laughs) The plot is simple. It's all this extra stuff that gets added onto it just to make that plot happen in a new way. So like, I do recommend people watch this a second time, but not as a, Oh, now you get to understand. Now you get to see the reveals. Now you get to, but like you already know what's going on. You sort of understand it now. So just sit back and enjoy just, you know, a cool dude hanging out in a cool suit. And he goes on this cool yacht and he talks to people and he's funny and he beats people up with cheese graters. It's awesome. (laughs) Shout out to uh, John David Washington, who's just incredible. He's He's incredible in every every film I've seen him in. Uh, I watched Malcolm and Marie not too long ago. Oh my goodness! I haven't this, seen that. Oh, he is—he is just a powerhouse. I am—I'm excited for any time I ever see him in anything. Yeah, 
uh, he was great in Black Klansman. Um, oh yeah, he's. Um, I hated him in Ballers, not the acting, just his character. I found, oh man, I just hated that guy. But he was great in Ballers. Um, yeah, I, he's he's really good, and he does a good job of playing what you think of as a James Bond type without mm. trying to emulate James Bond because oh, yeah. there's no way that he could, especially being that he's like an american so like he doesn't have sort of he's like funny in like an american style as opposed to like james bond who like you know is more like quippy one-liners every now and then whereas he walks in he, the, the um i think it's like the only improvised line in the movie where he goes um i ordered my hot sauce an hour ago before they get into the fight like that's a it's very like an American spy opposed to like a British spy, which I think he pulls off really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Son of Denzel Washington. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's yeah. fun fact. I don't I, think I've ever seen a Denzel Washington movie either. So it was cool Denzel seeing movie? Really? I haven't seen a lot of movies, man. <laughs> Denzel's great. I mean, I think his son's incredible. I can only imagine like, I mean, wow. Yeah. I gotta, I need to watch more movies. Um, what was on HBO Stone? Max recently was uh, his his uh, his role in uh, the Little Things or the Little Details or whatever that movie was called. Pretty good in it. Not a good movie. Pretty good in it though. <laughs> I think they put Fences on HBO Max. We could watch Fences. Oh, That's fences. another good movie. Yeah, Fences is that really his good. was that his directorial de debut? I don't know if it was debut, but he did direct it. Um, yeah. That one's really interesting because that's a it's a stage adaptation that he had been doing that stage play for years and then yeah. he finally did it as a film and, you know because he's he's awesome so it's great yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow closing thoughts on tenant hoodie <laughs> go with you I, first i think uh jose brings up a great point is that it's very much an audition reel for 007 without the intention of ever wanting to direct a, a 007 movie. <laughs> I, I think he he proved he could do it with this. I think this, again, is the most Christopher Nolan movie we're going to get where he's... It's uh, very much style over substance in a lot of ways. I, I think when you, you do break it down to it's a guy saving the world, yeah, I don't think that's how it will ever come across no matter how many times people watch it because there is so much going on there's just too much and it's not like i i know i didn't have the oh my my brain broke watching this movie moment i i understood it i just thought there's just this is too much i don't know why you need any of this explanation it did feel very much like an exposition movie uh which i think jose brought up the point a lot of his movies are let's explain this one thing to you for two hours uh, and I respect that in other ways, but I, I, I think this movie really was, can I make something that's technically above and beyond what anyone else has done? And for that, I recommend watching it. If you're into filmmaking, if you want to learn anything about Christopher Nolan and what he's capable of doing, this is just the tip of the iceberg, I believe, and what he could do, uh, going into the future. Other than that, I, I don't, I don't think this is a good uh, movie movie. You know, I don't think you can enjoy sitting down to watch this three or four times a, a year. 
in my personal opinion. But I did, I did think technically it was extraordinary to watch. Brandon, yeah. your thoughts? Um, this is a very good movie if you are into filmmaking, I suppose, or just the the art of film. This is not. It is a blockbuster, but it is sort of not meant to be, you know, enjoyed on the same way of like a popcorn flick, right? Mm -hmm. It's big, it's bombastic, but it's also pushing the medium as far as he can take it. Um, it is technically proficient on every aspect, the directing, the acting, the editing, the music. Um, I know people hate Christopher Nolan's sound mixing, but I'm actually, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, to be honest with you. I know why people don't like it, but I really enjoy it. Um, so I think that that's cool. Um, it is just stripped down to very archetypal stuff so that it can do something that can only be done in film. Like you can't experience this story in any other medium. It wouldn't work as a book. It wouldn't work as a video game or a comic book or something. This is something that to have that linear flow of time, but also going at this, you know, backwards and all this stuff, you can really only tell that story as a movie. So in that way, it is very much like, pushing the art form as far as he can take it in this one area. I like that a lot. I do, you know, have my patented ranking scale for yes. this. Is it better or worse than the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift? This is a better film than Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> it is a good movie. Um, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it being complicated or anything, because at the end of the day, it's really just it's a james bond movie that's weird that's it and i really really liked it yeah that's that's heavy... through my... i've never said sorry hoodie what were you saying sorry shout out to heavy spoilers on uh youtube they have a great breakdown if you are afraid of it watch the breakdown then go into the movie right yeah. you won't understand it but you, yeah. you'll you'll catch up there you go yeah, I think uh, I've never seen a James Bond movie either. So um, this, I don't know if this was my introduction into that uh, area of films, I suppose. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it did hurt my brain a little bit, but then I figured it out. But I, I thought, I thought this was really, I thought it was really good. I mean, I already said this I loved the soundtrack. I loved everything. I loved the action. Oh my god, the action! Oh my god. It was it was insane and just having to like figure out what went where and why and how and that was an interesting puzzle to figure out but I liked this movie a lot. Two thumbs up. Um so Shout out to Ludwig by the way cuz mm -hmm. you've mentioned the music twice. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> this guy's on another level. Started with like New Girl and now he's blowing the doors off and music in every movie is a, i read the thing it was like a sort of interesting process of working with christopher nolan on the music and stuff because he doesn't use any placeholder music when he works on a movie um he sort of and so they actually started composing during the scripting process while he's working on the script he's bringing him over and showing him stuff 
And then he goes and experiments and works on some stuff and brings some stuff back to him that he can listen to while he writes and then shoots to it. And then like, so there's like, he was involved in the entire process of making the movie to have the, uh, the score fit the, um, the film. And then the ending song, uh, is the, the Travis Scott song that plays during the credits. Mm -hmm. That's also really cool. And apparently, um, Ludwig was the one who put Christopher Nolan in contact with Travis Scott and was like, Hey, you should have him do this. And who, who knew Travis Scott in a, uh, in a Christopher Nolan movie would work so well. Ludwig. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. All right. Well, unless anyone has any other final thoughts, even though I already asked for final thoughts, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. So Brandon, where can the good people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Aces Wild Pod. It's pretty much where I'm doing all my tweeting these days. And then you can follow me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Jose Ruckus. There we go. And Hoodie. Marvel's Penny the. No, wait, sorry. Uh, the Penny Marvel's <laughs> everywhere. Woohoo. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Potterpants212. You can find me on here. You can find me at Passionless Vids. And you can find me uh, uh, at Short Sports Pod. And. On, on every our... podcast made by somebody who's a kind of funny best friend. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, and our magical neighborhood, which acronym uh, I don't remember. Hoodie? O O M N. O M N. We've got our... we, we're uh, M G K neighborhood on uh, Twitter. Mm, That's Machine Gun Kelly neighborhood. Cool. <laughs> That's all I, yeah. Oh my gosh! Thank you. That's all I remember now. Um, also, just shout out to McKenna, an incredible producer, no, amazing okay. editor, Killing, so, doing so, so great as shows. a host. So many shows. No, it's okay. okay. You just you <laughs> sink in your seat. We'll just gush a little bit more. You're incredible. No, you both are amazing as well, and I'm very thankful. Um, so that, <laughs> with that, that concludes the second episode of HBO Max. Tweet at us and tell us uh, what what movies we should do next. We're uh, at HBO Max on Twitter um follow that subscribe to the podcast um we're gonna try to do one of these every two weeks uh we got the youtube that you should go subscribe to subscribe to the podcast feed and yeah if you if you have a movie that you want mckenna to watch you want my opinions on let us know we'll do it mm -hmm. we will we will tell them to review hbo's watchman do it. We're, we're still trying to figure out how we want to do TV shows. Yeah. Because I do want to do some of the HBO TV shows, but it is like, do we do them by seasons? Do we do it as one episode episode? It's a whole deal. We're trying to figure it out. One day we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll do it eventually. <laughs> Watch out for that. Um, thank you for watching. See you next time. I'm also waving. You just can't see it. <laughs>